I'm Reed Hudson, and welcome to Thundercast. This week on Thundercast, I will be talking with Mrs. Diana Fuller about her job at Eastern Green Middle School and some of the stuff she does outside of the school. Mrs. Fuller, thank you for joining me today on Thundercast. What is your story? My story? My story that got me here? Yes. Um, Well, let's see. I moved to Green County with my children and taught elsewhere and fell in love with Eastern, fell in love with the community feel that we have and decided that this is the place that I wanted to work. When I got an opportunity, I, I jumped at it. And I've loved doing fifth grade. I've also taught sixth grade, but fifth grade is my favorite. Uh, I also really enjoy the opportunity to get kids outside with Nature Club. And we have a wonderful f- facility for that with the woods behind us and the nice trail to work on and the amphitheater. And, of course, I love Scrabble Club. And there's a lot of kids here who look forward to a place to belong. And Scrabble Club is one of those places. It's a chance to be a part of a group of people. And um, you may not be the best speller, but uh, there's a lot of interest shown, and I've enjoyed the enthusiasm of that. So that's, that's how I got here, and I'm happy to be here. Um, and I plan to stick around for a while. Uh, what exactly is Scrabble Club? Scrabble Club. Well, let's see. Interested kids, uh, people who like words, um, people who want to be with other people who like words or just need a friend. Um, Scrabble Club, Scrabble itself is a game where you, you know, build letters together to make words, build off each other, um, have good conversations, work with a partner, um, have people to look forward to playing with, learning from, um, losing against, um, and it helps a lot as far as learning how to cooperate, learning some strategy. And what is Nature Club? Uh, Nature Club is just getting kids outside. Uh, we, uh, the only thing we do inside is check in. We sign in and then we head for the woods. And no matter what the weather is, unless it's sloppy raining, um, we are outside. We, it may be a hike, it may be a service project, it may be um, games, songs, but we just get outside and explore. And it's about an hour and um, it goes very quickly. We just get started and it's time to go back in. But um, I look forward to that little breather of time that I get outside with kids. It's really great for me because it's third through sixth grade. And with that, I get to establish a relationship with some of those kids that I will have in the future um, as fifth graders. So it's, that's an extra perk for me to get to meet them. And, but it's, uh, we take some field trips. We do some things at state parks. Um, but basically, we try to improve what we have here. And just, you know, my, one of my favorite quotes in the world is, you, you do the best with what you have. And when you learn more, you do better. And I believe that. If they understand that the insect can crawl across in front of them without them stepping on it, that's a good thing, and they can think twice before they do it the next time. So that's, in a nutshell, what Nature Club's all about. How did you get involved with Nature Club and Scrabble Club? Uh, Let's see. When my children were here, and I didn't teach here, um, Mr. Berg and Mrs. Apps actually ran a Nature Club. And... Um, when I came in, Mr. Berg approached me and said, hey, we're ready to turn over to someone else. Would you like to do it? And I grabbed it, and I, I've stayed with it since then. So I've been doing it for about 22 years. Um, Scrabble Club formed because I like to play Scrabble. I played it in my classroom uh, once a week during uh, either a math or a language arts time. And then I couldn't let go of those kids. So I formed a club so that I could continue working with those same kids the following year. And then it just grew from that. How does Scrabble help prepare students later in life? 
I think playing the game of Scrabble helps prepare students to be better communicators because you have to communicate. We play as partners, and you need to learn to trust your partner. Um, you build off each other's strengths. Um, you help each other make good choices. Um, you can also, you've got to have a good sense of humor um, because sometimes you may be partnered with the person who really can't spell well but is an excellent risk taker and can find a place um, as an excellent strategizer, can find a good location for a play. And then if you are the speller behind it, um, you partner and you come up with some the best ideas that you can. Um, I think that certainly the vocabulary development is something beneficial. And what fundraising do you do for Scrabble? We do a lot of little things to raise funds for Scrabble. Um, sell locally made items whenever we can. And we've done a variety of things. Candles, uh, farmers worked with farmers and some of the, the mums that they've grown. Um, we work concessions as, min- as much as we can. We help clean up after games. Um, but our biggest fundraiser is certainly our silent auction. And it takes about three months of phone calls and and gathering things and just a, a team of really awesome helpers who come in and help make everything look good and get it ready. And it's a wonderful night. It's a community event. It's really become something that people look forward to, and it's, it's our biggest fundraiser. And what are you funding for? Um, with Scrabble Club, we try to send as many as we can to um, a national competition. We also have a state competition, which is, doesn't require a lot of funding other than just bus money to get there. But national is about $1,000 per student. So if uh, we need to cover for eight students, you know, we set a goal of at least $10,000 because we also help pay for the adults who go as chaperones and um, pays for everything, their their flight, their hotel, their food, their t-shirts, their fun, their sightseeing, um, a little bit of everything. So that's our biggest, uh, our biggest need, our biggest um, debt that we have is um, to then pay for our national And what have you learned from leading the Scrabble Club? Oh, my goodness. I have learned a lot from leading Scrabble Club. I think probably the biggest thing is how much fun it is to um, open someone's eyes, to truly take them out of their comfort zone, to put them in a place where they walk into a room with hundreds of other students who are there to play Scrabble, and it's kind of like I have found the rest of my family, um, taking them into places on airplanes and in subways and um, into places that they would never maybe imagine going. Um, and some of their parents have never experienced that kind of travel. So um, I guess I've learned how much fun it is to open their eyes, and I just know that they are not the same person when they come back. I know that they are a, a more rounded, well-rounded um, individual, um, just ready to take on a few more challenges because they had to learn how to jump on and off a, a subway. You know, they can do that. They had to stand up to... Um, maybe crowds of people that they weren't used to and um, it's a wonderful experience and for me it's it's the absolute best part of my year I'm so glad that it happens at the end because it's a huge culminating event to get to know these students and then travel and enjoy them and love them in a whole different way you know just really get to experience that with them watch them grow how do you keep in touch with the students after they've graduated Scrabble Club? Well, some I've visited, some who live in New York. I have a son who lives in New York, and I've had a chance to visit that way. Um, A few of them send me notes from time to time. Sometimes they they bring back their husbands, invite me to their weddings, and um, I try to stay in contact as much as I can, but I know they're busy too. 
and um, I'm just a small speck in their their education. And um, so I feel like when they need me or they have something to share, they get a hold of me. I like that. How is teaching fifth grade? Teaching fifth grade is fun most of the time. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I think anybody would be uh, hesitant to say it's always fun. There's always thorns in everything, but I think that I am exactly where I want to be. Um, there have been a lot of people who have talked about their some days and what they'd like to do, and I'm doing it. I, I love this age. I love the solid foundation most kids have. I love the curiosity. Um, I love the enthusiasm that they have. Um, it's just really fun to work with that age range. They still basically try to please the teacher, which is always nice, too. And their hormones haven't kicked in yet at fifth grade, so that's a plus as well. But fifth grade is has changed a lot since I started teaching, and uh, I think that we expect that students will know so much more because they have the touch of a computer to give them all the information in the world. But I think the downside of that is sometimes that gives in or takes over for uh, forcing you to think for yourself. So I've watched the good and the bad and tried to blend it all together. I shouldn't say bad. I've watched the good and I've watched the changes and I've tried to make a blend of that so that people still have good solid basics and can be independent, responsible thinkers, but yet enjoy all that technology has to offer. What's the curriculum you have to teach in fifth grade? Well, <clears throat> I this year I just teach two, two main subject areas, I should say. I teach two periods of math in the morning, and then I teach a very short writing block, a 30-minute writing block, and then I teach two periods of science in the afternoon. So that's my focus. I, I'm not doing social studies and, and language arts as far as reading and spelling and all of that this year. So it's a little different. Um, I enjoy the change. I wouldn't always want to do the same things. I felt a little spoiled back in the day when I had kids all day long in my classroom, and I could just spend the day focusing on, for example, language arts and social studies and write plays and um, build the props and then spend the next two days really focusing on the math and science behind the props and the math and the science behind other things that we were also working on. But I really enjoy um, having fewer subject areas to prepare for. You know, I, I will be the first to admit that. It's nice to have three instead of everything. What are you currently teaching right now? As far as the math and the science? Yeah. Like um, well, in science, we're, we're working on um, building prosthetic arms and legs and fingers and um, working on, they have some challenges. Um, they have some frustration challenges is what I call them. When they, they have a task that looks impossible and they just have to keep working and they have to keep coming up with, well, maybe if I put this screw at the end of this and I put it between two desks and I twist real hard, then maybe, you know, it's just fun to watch them. Um, it's, it's a lot like the STEM projects where people, instead of it being um, listed step one, step two, step three, they have to think about, okay, my ultimate goal is to make this happen, but how do I get it there? Um, so that's what we're working on in science. We're moving in to um, some, let's see, it's like human develop. No, 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 I shouldn't say that. We're moving into, I haven't really looked ahead to what we're moving into, I'll be honest. Um, I think it's classifying animals maybe it's next, but we're not finished with this, so that's my focus at the time. And in math, we just started mean, medium, mode, and range, which, you know, how can you not love that? You can hula hoop and count those hoops, count those um, rotations and average things out. And so um, 
those are life skills. I enjoy teaching fifth grade math because I tell everyone that if you can master fifth grade math, you can do the things that you have to do to survive as an adult. Now, maybe not everything you might want to do in higher level math um, in a particular job, more specialized, but to survive, if you know fifth grade math, you can you can balance your budget and you can keep track of your credits and debits and checks and percentages and so I enjoy it. What subject do you enjoy teaching the most? That's hard. You know, people have asked me that. I I miss teaching reading because I love good novels and the discussions. Um, and I love social studies because to me it's it's fun to look at the past and to think about what people have done for us um, and ways that we don't have to repeat those mistakes um, and build on that. I think, you know, math is essential, but honestly, I guess if I just taught one, it would probably be science, and I wouldn't teach it indoors. I would teach in an outdoor education setting if I had the perfect uh, situation. Um, I'd love to to work in an environmental center, um, and I do some of that in the summers. I work with the state parks in the summers, so I kind of have my cake and I get to eat it too, and I get to do both. How'd you get involved with those summer jobs of environmental centers? Well, I belong to several organizations. Um, one of them is EEAI, it's Environmental Education Association of Indiana, and through that I network with other people. Um, and spent a lot of time at the state parks camping and hiking and kayaking and so I just introduced myself and said I'd love to come volunteer for you and so they put me to work and I've been working in nature centers now for I think this is my 15th year Um, and it's fun because I get to be the kid at camp you know it's like I pitch my tent live out of my tent for the week and uh, have a cooler in the back of my car and do programs and get to walk and kayak in the evening and crawl into my tent and read till I fall asleep so Um, I've really enjoyed the opportunity to be welcomed into that kind of setting. Um, And after retirement, I would like to do something with the National Park System. When did you first develop your love for nature? Well, I don't know exactly, but I know that it came from my mother. Um, She always said, you don't have to know the name of something to appreciate it. You can listen to a bird and appreciate its sound, its, its song. Um, You can see the colors of a beautiful flower and not know its name. But we took a lot of walks together. Um, As a kid, I went to a church camp, and it was an outdoor. I mean, it was, was, we were outside all day long, put it that way. And so uh, my love continued to grow through that. And then when I had children, I just found out that, you know, we were happiest when we were outside. So I just think that I try to share that with everyone. I think every child needs to know that there are certain things that you can always count on and nature is may change may fluctuate but the next season will come you know there will be grass there will be flowers there will be trees there will be birds and they'll be there if you want to look at them and I think there's a real healing power of um, enjoying learning how to enjoy the outside so my mother definitely my mother do you do anything else at the school besides nature club and scrabble club uh, well, we got Bradford Woods going, um, so we spend a lot of time getting the money together to go to Bradford Woods. We try to supplement so no one has to pay a large full amount, um, but I, I help other teachers whenever there's a function. You know, if there's an event, I'm always glad to volunteer because, you know, I ask them for help, too, when it comes time for big events like the Scrabble Silent Auction, which takes so many people. Um, so anytime a teacher asks me, 
if it's helping with a spell bowl or if it's helping with, you know, some kind of musical program, whatever, I, sure, I'll help out, you know. But the, as far as consistently, um, my things are, you know, the Scrabble and, and Nature Club. What exactly is Bradford Woods? Uh, Bradford Woods is an outdoor education center. It's owned by IU. Um, it's a little on the other side of Martinsville. It takes about 45 minutes from here. And it is fabulous. It's three days, two nights in the woods with our kids. Um, we get to be ourselves, enjoy each other um, in a different setting. You know, we get to stay in cabins. Um, IU plans that we pick the programming we want, but they take charge. They have a lot of international students who come and work with us. We are kind of like the teaching assistant. We are the assistant to them. We just, we go along in every group. We're with the kids all day long. We stay in the cabins with them. We sleep in a separate area. We don't sleep in the same spot as them, same building, same structure, just a different room. Um, But it's outside hiking, learning about the soil and the macroinvertebrates and the night sky. And uh, we do an all-day hike and we fix our meal while we're out and about. And uh, we do evening programming as well, and a lot of silliness, a lot of fun. We do it second semester so that we know the children well enough to, um, I don't know, kind of build on their strengths and then help them through some of the, the tricky parts. Um, but it really gives us a great ending to our fifth grade year. This year we go in April. So it's going to be a, a wonderful culminating event. It makes saying goodbye to them a lot harder when you get a chance to know them in that way. But it's a wonderful opportunity that I think every single one of them will look back and say, that was one of the highlights of my school years. When did you first start sending kids to Bradford Woods? Uh, This will be our third year. So um, many years we presented the idea. It wasn't um, always something that was possible. Um, But that year, Everyone that taught fifth grade was very excited about the potential, and that makes a big difference when everybody is really um, enthusiastic about the opportunity and when there's administration who supports that, that was our chance. And so we got it started, and I hope it lasts way beyond my years of teaching. What are your interests outside of school? Well, I love to read. I love to travel. Um, I really enjoy photography, and I like to garden. Typically, gardening is not, doesn't work out. We just feed the deer and the rabbits and the raccoons. But, um, you know, kayaking, hiking, those are very enjoyable. I like collecting things. I love to collect rocks and feathers and being outside. Being with my family outside is the best. What are your favorite places to go outside? Well, <clears throat> in Indiana, I really enjoy Pokagon State Park. Um, it's one of my favorites. I love Turkey Run. Um, I spend a lot of time at Shackamack. The state parks just, uh, there's something about them, you know, they're, they're, they feel safer to me than some other areas. They are um, well kept. Um, it's nice. It's enjoyable. There are lakes that are clean and cared for. Um, but I like rivers and streams as well. But in other states, you know, I, uh, boy, it's hard to say. I love the mountains. I just, the, I, I could pick up and move to the mountains in a heartbeat. That would be fun. Except I would then have to leave all my grandchildren who are here. So I'm in Indiana. Take them <laughs> with you. <laughs> yeah. What have been your favorite books to read? Well, if I think about fifth grade books, which is basically, you know, what I focus on. I mean, there are lots of adult books that I've enjoyed reading too. But I think about books to share with children. Love the book Wander. It's just a, it's a book that everyone should read. Um, that's precious. Um, 
We're also reading a book right now. It's because of Mr. Terrapt. It's a wonderful book about a fifth grade class and a brand new teacher and how they come together and form a community. And there are a lot of good lessons. I like books with good lessons in them. Um, so those are a few of my fifth grade favorites. What has challenged you in your career as a teacher and an educator? Whew, the biggest challenge for a teacher is time. There's never enough. There's never enough time, and I personally feel like I can never do enough. There's always something more that I wish I could have done that I thought about later, but I don't get that time back. Um, another big challenge, I think, in education, well, for me, is the, the change of family structure and the need to be more to a student. Um, some students aren't blessed with complete families to support them, and we try to fill in the gaps. And sometimes teachers dream about those gaps in not a pleasant way. You know, we want to do more. Um, but I'd say those are probably the two biggest challenges. And then, you know, topped off with the um, pressure to test. And then... How do you think you have changed as a person as a result of education? Hmm. Becoming a teacher, I had to change. I had to um, learn how to share but not completely open myself up to people and not absorb everyone else's uh, needs, um, worries, I think that being a teacher, I certainly have had my, my eyes opened as well. I've learned so much about other families and other family structures. Um, I have thoroughly loved being a teacher. I haven't loved every aspect of every day, but I've gained a lot of patience that I didn't know I had. Um, and I believe that every family sends to us the best that they have and I'm so pleased that I get to be with them um, I have a lot of stories you know how have I <laughs> that's I've always got something fun to tell people about students and things that I've done with kids um, those are a few of the changes how do you find time for your interest outside of school well it's tricky um, right now I kayak every Saturday night my husband and I get on the water when it's just dusky and we get off around midnight. So we go to Shackamac and we just get out on one of the lakes there and um, it's very fun. I try to do things with my grandchildren on weekends when I can. And, um, but it is hard. Summertime is, is more ideal. Um, I appreciate the week of fall break. That was a great opportunity. I traveled and went into the mountains. Yes, so I was in West Virginia and uh, New York, Ithaca, New York. What has changed since you started teaching? The biggest thing, I think probably as far as changes um, would be, of course, the technology is huge. You know, that wasn't, we didn't even have a phone in our classrooms when I started teaching. So didn't have a computer, didn't have a phone. Um, it's nice to have those, to have that communication within our building and to the outside as well. Um, I think the expectations 
are different in the sense that when I look back at some of the things that I was able to do when I had kids, maybe students in uh, an all-day setting, and I really got to know them other than just a single period of the day, I felt like I accomplished a lot more because I was able to help them. Things rolled over. It's kind of like if a teacher would um, loop with students. You don't start all over the next year. And I didn't loop with every period because I still had those kids, and I built on that. That has changed. It was just the way it was when we were kind of a self-contained classroom and we taught all subject areas. That's certainly different. But there's also, like I said, real advantages to departmentalizing. Um, I think that a lot of attitudes have changed within family structures. And uh, some of that is positive and some of that scares me. I love having students in class whose parents parent instead of buddy. Um, I always want to celebrate those families. Overall, would, would you say the changes have been good or bad? Oh, there have been a lot of good changes. But there have also, like I said, there are some that I would like to undo. I would like for busy families to have more time together so that they could work more cooperatively and be more prepared for school in a school setting. But we have fabulous families here, you know, and I know every single family does the best they can. And um, I appreciate that so much. And I love it when I get to work with those families to do what I consider is best for their kids. I love the, the support that we have. What originally influenced you to become a teacher? My parents. My parents were both teachers. And I just thought everybody grew up and became a teacher. I thought, oh, you know, it's a magical age. And I still believe that's true. I think everyone does become a teacher. They just have different kinds of classrooms. Um, but my father was my sixth grade teacher as well. Uh, my mother was a teacher until she started having children. My dad was also a principal. And um, I don't know that having your parent is the greatest thing in the world. <laughs> I uh, sat back by the trash can a lot for talking too much. But um, anyway, I, I know that I just thought that that's what I would do because that's what they did. And I, I veered from it when I went to college. I thought, no, I'm going to find my way. And I went into journalism and psychology and, and really enjoyed it and really loved it. And don't hesitate. I mean, didn't, I don't regret a moment of the studies that I did in those areas. But then I turned around and got a degree in education later. So I felt like all of that certainly helped premier, prepare me for what I need to do as an educator. And then you mentioned at the beginning you had another job at another school. What was that? Um, I worked in a variety of schools before I actually became a teacher. I worked as a math tutor, um, and I worked as a librarian. But the first job that I had as a licensed teacher was in a classroom for um, students with emotional needs. And I taught in uh, Bedford, Indiana. Really enjoyed it. I hope they learned half as much as I learned. It was a good experience. Um, but like I said, once I got a chance to come to Eastern, I jumped. Why did you jump on Eastern? Um, for many reasons. I, I liked the feel of Eastern. I liked the way my children, when they transferred from Monroe County Schools, which were wonderful. I, I loved the school that we attended there. We went to Fairview Elementary. It was a great group of people. Um, but I loved the way that my children were received here. I loved the opportunities that a smaller school, that a rural school allowed I was very impressed with all the things that were options. Um, 
But then also, bottom line is I wanted to be on the same schedule as my children. It was really hard to be off the week they were in and them being off the week that, you know, it's it was just really hard to, uh, so I wanted to be, you know, lined up with their schedule and enjoy more family time. So that certainly allowed us to do that. Did your kids ever have you in class? No, I never had them, except I was a sub for my son. Um <laughs> Yeah, I subbed a couple times. And, you know, I remember it very distinctly because it was a time when we we called a month Black History Month. We don't typically do that now so much. We just study people of all kinds of people all year long. But uh, we watched a video and we talked about how people sometimes were, were prejudged and misjudged. And we came up with reasons, some of them being real obvious in appearance. And then we talked about religion and could that happen? Could people really, really misjudge or, you know, have some prejudice against a person because of their religion? And they couldn't think of anything. And I mentioned the Holocaust. And they said, well, that happened a long time ago and um, Jews are dead. And they truly meant it. They thought all Jewish people were dead. And I thought, you know, I, I have to work here. I have to work here. I really need to read some good books with them and have some good discussions with them so that they then realize, oh, no, no, they are alive and well, and their story should be, should be told. You know, we need to learn from that. And that was a deciding moment. It was like, I, I will work here. Uh, what grade level was this? That was sixth grade. Mm-hmm. Sixth grade, Mr. Spencer's room. I remember it well. He was a science teacher. And What are your strengths? Probably my biggest strength would be patience. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they say you get patience from being tried. And, you know, I'll admit some days I think, okay, I've had enough trials. I, I know how to be patient. But I think um, trying to be calm and patient with people is way more effective than the alternative. No one wants to have a voice raised at them. Nobody wants to be belittled. And um, so I think probably that's, you know, it makes me feel good when uh, a student, a new student will come to the school and they'll say, well, I'd really like to have my, my child, or the parent will say, I'd really like to have my child in a, in a classroom where the teacher is very patient. And then I get that student. You know, it makes me feel good. Um, I think that and the fact that I love to learn. You know, I, I love people and I love to learn. And so... You know, I will be so sad the day that I retire, but when I retire, I will retire to do other things that I really want to do as well, because there are so many things I still want to do. And um, in my mind, I told myself, oh, you know, if I teach for 25 years, then I'll try something else for another 25. Well, I might not have another 25 to work. Who knows? Um, But we'll see. Uh, What else would you like to do after retirement? Well, my list keeps getting longer. Um, I would like to be a cuddler at the hospital with babies that need attention, you know, especially babies that are born with medical issues, especially those who are like HIV positive or, you know, who cry and are drug addicted or something. I, I would love to be a cuddler. I'd love to make quilts and donate. I would love to work with a student from first grade and see them through high school. Um, I, like I said, I also want to work with the state parks and the national parks, the national parks after I retire. Um, you know, I, I look at places like Stonebelt 
and I think how fun it would be to just go in and volunteer there. Um, I don't want to be a substitute teacher, but I would love to volunteer in classrooms. Um, I won't miss testing. <laughs> I won't miss grading. But I will truly miss the kids if I don't have a connection there. Um, so those are just a few of the things that I'd like to do. Since you mentioned testing, what are the challenges of teaching to a test? Well, we say that we're not doing that. We say that we're not <laughs> teaching to a test. But we all know, ultimately, when we see what the standards are, that we make sure that we hit those standards in such a way that we think they might be <laughs> testing us. How's that? Um, it's a struggle because, quite frankly, when I started teaching 22 years ago, I taught for the sake of what do I think a child needs to learn to become a responsible, caring adult? What do they need? And I did not focus on, I need to make sure they pass this test. I focused on the complete child, not the test questions. And so that has definitely had an impact on the way I teach so many of the things that I feel like we used to be able to do. Um, now it's kind of like, we don't have time. We've got to get all this covered before the test. And so that makes me a little frustrated, very jealous that the test becomes more important than the whole child. Um, that saddens me. Do you think testing helps the student at all? I think testing can help a student become organized and have a goal to strive for. I do not believe that testing in itself, the, the, the handwritten or the computer test necessarily is a teaching tool. I don't think it's something that um, a student necessarily gains from other than maybe they've set a goal to do better than they did last year. Um, but certainly it's an essential part of what we do. Is there anything you, else you'd like to add today? I appreciate the chance to talk about the kids that I work with and the profession that I've chosen. Um, there are people who live their whole life looking ahead to that someday and that journey that's going to get them there. And I'm already there. Of course. And with that, I'd like to thank you for joining me today on Thundercast. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Thundercast. We would like to thank Bloom Bank for help making this podcast possible. Also, please tune in for our next episode, coming soon. If you have any suggestions or comments, please email us at thundercast at egreen.k12.in.us. You can subscribe to hear every episode of Thundercast on iTunes and Google Play. All content of this podcast is property of Eastern Green School Corporation and may not be used without express or in permission. All rights reserved. Thank you very much for listening.